This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Total Saints Podcast, with a dedicated weekly podcast going to the heart of all things Saints FC. The four of us, myself, Steve, Lucy and Adam, are back together this week and ready to chat through a variety of current Saints-related issues. That includes the visit to St Mary's of Manchester United this weekend and the eventual one-all draw. We'll also be answering some of your questions in our first Ask TSP of the season, and there might even be some mention of the recent Carabao Cup draw against a certain bunch at the other end of the M27. Finally, albeit the other side of the international break, we'll preview the Saints' trip to Bramall Lane to face Sheffield United and provide a brief TSP Fantasy Premier League update as well. Before we do that, I just wanted to draw attention to a couple of things that our friends over on the Saints Archive have uh, been posting about. So if you're around next week uh, on Friday, so that's Friday the 6th of September, down at Loxheath Recreational Ground, there's a uh, ex-Saints game going on. That's kickoff is at 6.30, and there's some uh, familiar and famous names down there. Glenn Cockrell's leading it, Matt Letizier, David Hughes, Dave Puckett, David Peach, people like that. So if you're around next Friday, that's the 6th of September, down at Loxheath Recreation Ground, there'll be a game going on there. And also on the um, Saturday, the 14th of September, so if you're not heading up to Sheffield United, Townhill Surgery, which is uh, Chatwell Green, I believe, in Southampton, are having an open day, and uh, that will also include a guest appearance from Laurie McMenery. And I understand from Will at Saints Archive that Laurie will be more than happy to have photos and sign autographs and that sort of thing. So if you fancy going along to either of those events, then uh, they're both happening in the next couple of weeks. Right, let's get on with the podcast in partnership with saintsarchive.com and saintsworld.co.uk and proudly sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. This is TSP 83. Me? I could never own a hot tub. Stop it. That's the kind of negative thinking that's preventing you from sitting in a hot tub right now. Talk to Happy Hot Tubs today, where owning a hot tub is as easy as one, two, three. One, choose your hot tub. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose the way you pay with 0% finance available on selected models. I could own a hot tub. That's the spirit. You deserve happy with Happy Hot Tubs. 
After progressing past Fulham in the Carabao Cup, Saints were back to Premier League action this weekend with Manchester United and their Surrey fan base heading down to the south coast. The game finishing one all after an up-and-down match for both sides. Adam, reflecting on the 90 minutes, uh, what were your general thoughts? It struck me it was a bit like a lot of this season uh, so far for Saints, early days, obviously. But they sort of played well in patches. Um, but I don't feel that they are generally playing very well. Hmm. I don't think they've played particularly well since the start of the season. You know, they haven't haven't really clicked yet, um, uh, you know, as a, as a team in anything other than fits and spurts in games. You know, at some yeah. games we've seen a half, in some games we've seen odd 10 15, 20 minute spells. And I felt like it was a bit like that against United. Yeah, I mean, they were, I think, very fortunate at half time that they were still in the game because yep. they could on another, you know, they could have been dead and buried by a better team. Um, I was, uh, you know, on that point, surprised, and I don't know why I'm constantly surprised, but yeah, by how poor United were. Mm. Um, and this seems to I, I think I need to get over this. I think one that because when when I was sort of growing up and then, you know, even doing this job, United were always so good and so dominant, yeah. so strong um, that I kind of always sort of expect that to be the United that turns up. And then you you see them and realistically you look at them and you think, wow, they have got some really, really ordinary players there and not what I consider Manchester United players. Mm. Um in terms of quality. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they were nowhere near as as good as I had feared. And, and in the end, I think Saints probably deserved their point, um, in my view. Um, I don't think the start of the season has been that great for Saints. I'm just trying to sum- summarise as we go into this first international break. Mm. Um, but if you'd have said they'd have got four points from the first four games... I think that's about the minimum you would have wanted. But I think that given uh, the fixtures, that would probably just about be acceptable. And so the fact that they've come out with it, um, despite not playing well, albeit I think that they have been a little bit fortunate to get those four. Nonetheless, they have got the four on the board and that's all that matters. So I think that there's they've got time now to try and work on the issues that they've had and try and gel together as a team. And hopefully when they come back after the break, they'll be a better unit than we've seen so far. I think uh, probably even better, isn't it, when you think that they play well against Liverpool, didn't get anything from that game, so it is swings and roundabouts. And I, I think probably, Steve, I, I you know, totally agree with Adam. It did feel a bit like a game of two halves, you know, very disjointed from Saints in the first half, given the ball away. I mean, they couldn't string two passes together. Second half, much, much better, a lot of heart and spirit. And, you know, we spoke about it last week in the pod, Steve, didn't we? I think we felt... United were beatable. I, I think, as Adam says, we could have been behind, we could have been in front, then we obviously had to play the last 20 minutes or so with uh, 10 men. So I think probably all in all, a decent point. Yeah, I mean, I think most of us would have probably taken the point if you'd offered it at 10 o'clock yesterday morning. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it was it was weird. That first half was, I would imagine it was probably a great game to watch as a neutral, but it was just so lacking in quality. Yeah, Both, both sides were constantly just passing the ball straight out of play and Giving, constantly giving the ball away. Um, I mean, Saints positionally were very strangely All set up. I thought in in that in that first half when I mean we were obviously trying to force this press from United goal kicks, mm. and what we forgot to do was leave somebody vaguely near the centre circle yeah so all, all David De Gea had to do was just dink it over the top and you had either Pogba or um, Juan Mata in 
25, 30 yards of space. Mm. And they could bring it down, turn and do what they wanted with it. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was just very, very odd from us. Um, ultimately, as, as Adam said, we, we got better in the second half. And as you say, I think we were, I think we were value for the point. United are not a good side anymore. And it's, as he said, that expectation of United being a good side, it, I, I guess it's probably what um, people of a slightly older generation had in their mind with Liverpool throughout the 90s. Mm. And I mean, that Liverpool side in the 90s was absolute garbage. Mm. Um, but because they'd been so dominant in the 80s, you kind of went to Anfield sort of still in, still with a sort of feeling of trepidation. Yeah. Um, and yet, I mean, Bristol City won there. It's just like, <laughs> I, I mean, come on, guys. It's just that weird sort of psychology of how how you've kind of been ingrained to think about certain teams over over a prolonged period of time. Yeah, Lucy, I mean, we'll come on to talk about some of the sort of standout performances for Saints in a minute, particularly Vestergaard and Romeo. But I know you like your sort of tactical view on Saints. Um, obviously, I know you made a comment before the game about the fullbacks. Cedric, of course, came back in at right back, a little bit more experience there. We don't quite know whether it was tactical or uh, because Jan Valerie was sort of suffering anything from Brighton. I know that Cedric obviously um, was getting a bit of flack for the goal, but I think to be fair to him you know he's not great defensively I think he was trying to cover the overlap as well but just in terms of the way sort of Saints set up first half and, and Cedric coming back into the side Lucy what did you make of that overall? Um, I think for that goal I saw most of kind of Twitter going what what's Cedric doing what, what why is he not tight enough and all these kind of all this kind of stuff actually what what happened in the first half was we didn't really get the formation working um, mm. I think there were a lot of the similar problems that were, were the case when we were against 11 minute Brighton and I think um, actually in the second half we got much better um, kind of in the wide areas at, at using the system um, and I think what Cedric's problem was as you mentioned there was there were always those overlapping runs and he actually wasn't getting very much protection kind of in those wide areas and and because I think partly because he's not kind of used to playing regularly at the moment um, and, and partly because he probably feels quite a lot of pressure he wasn't really committing um, to getting kind of tight to people. And I think he also knew that if he got too tight to Dan James, that the guy is ridiculously quick. Mm. Um, and he knows that if he gets turned, he's never going to get back to James. Yeah. Um, and I think he struggled all game with both James's pace and, and that overlap. And I think the, the kind of problems diminished slightly when we kind of got things working a bit better. But I don't think it was a game that made us think, oh, we, we need Cedric back, um, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. It was it was interesting, Adam, as well, because I think, um, you know, I was sat home, typical plastic armchair fan watching it on telly, um, and uh, Martin Keown was co-commentating. And he made a point as well that, you know, you spoke about after the Burnley game, which is, he was commenting on the fact of why Man United were letting Saints press because that's what Saints like to do. He said, all you need to do is lump it in, you know, behind. And we spoke about it in the first pod. And it's probably a concern, isn't it, that teams now know, as you mentioned before, that really playing that way of just sort of lumping it and cutting out the midfield is the way to play against Saints. And more and more people are going to get their head around that. And that was evident from the first half. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and I think, yeah, more teams are going, are going to do it. And it's a bit different against the big six because the big six, even Man United, who who I think on yesterday's evidence are probably relatively comfortably going to be the worst of the big six yeah. over the season. They kind of have a mindset of we will play our game and we will just be better than you, mm. even if you play well. A bit like Liverpool were when they came to Saints, uh, you know, a, a few weeks ago. Um, they they will just back themselves. Yeah, you can play well in your game against us, but you know, you playing well against us isn't going to get you anything Mm. basically you're going to come away feeling oh we were close but we got an unlucky defeat actually you weren't that really that close to us that's just how it felt 
because you know you're able to press it, etc. So those teams will do it. But I think the other teams, if they've got any good sense now, will play a much more direct style against Saints. Mm. Um, and how Saints are able to counter that uh, is going to be very, very interesting because I think I think they are going to come up against it now. Uh, I mean, after the break, they play Sheffield United. Now, Sheffield United, obviously, are not playing necessarily that style all the time. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're playing out from the back, but they have the tools to play that style. And I think a lot of the teams around Saints are kind of in that mix. They have the ability to play that style, yep. even if it's not the style they play. And so it'll be interesting to see whether those sort of teams, when they play Saints, do make the compromise on style. Because most Premier League teams the very vast majority will play out from the back mm. um, and do play a, a, you know, a pressing game as well. So it'll be interesting to see whether those lesser teams want to take on Saints on what I would call on Saints' terms, which is playing in that style, or whether they were prepared to adapt. But it's going to be a big challenge for Saints if that is the way that teams go, because uh, on, on the evidence we've seen, they don't really know how to handle it. So mm. it's, it is going to be a challenge for them. And I would imagine it's something that Ralph will be, I would think, would be thinking about and working on um, during these two weeks. Yeah. A couple of uh, standout performances for Saints and Steve, as we mentioned. Um, before we talk Yannick Vestergaard, I thought Oriol Romeo was uh, superb yesterday, which was probably made even better, really, with uh, the captain Pierre Mohoiberg looking uh, way off the pace. So, yeah, fantastic performance from Romeo, I thought. Yeah, I mean, he had to, as you say, he kind of had to do two men's uh, job uh, yesterday because Hoiberg had an absolute shocker. Mm. Um, it was just yeah. one of those games where just looked completely all at sea. Um, yeah. Couldn't pass, couldn't tackle, uh, positionally was all over the place. Yeah. And I mean, I'm quite surprised he actually stayed on the pitch, really. Mm. You kind of thought, well, if a player's having that bad a game, surely hook him and get someone in who can kind of do a job I thought Armstrong might have come on a bit earlier perhaps um, but then I guess the system kind of depends on those two players dovetailing doesn't it yeah. and you don't we don't really have another sort of defensively minded I don't think Hoiberg's really that defensively minded but he plays in that deep lying role generally mm. and we don't really have another obvious candidate to go in go into that space at the moment I don't think yeah and uh, Festergaard then Lucy um, BT gave him a man of the match I think it probably could have been between either of those two but uh, you know he had a tough start to the season up at Burnley obviously he's got lots of work to do to, to sort of learn and develop we know that but arguably his best performance in a Saints shirt and obviously Cat with that towering leaping like a salmon type header yeah he finally did what we all expected he would do and actually kind of provide some kind of threat on a on a um set piece yeah. well i mean it was the second phase but yeah no really good um i think as he said he's he's not covered himself in glory in, in the kind of opening matches of the season i think there are lots of questions about how he deals with pace um mm. i think it sounds like a bit of a strange cultural reference um but he's kind of a bit like the titanic in the sense that i don't want to say that he's doomed to failure yeah. but like He's huge. Maybe, maybe he's doomed to failure once he leaves Southampton. Oh, I like it, Steve. Maybe, nice. yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, I like it, yeah. A bit like um, Dejan Lovren. <laughs> <laughs> Just because he's kind of huge, um, kind of lacks mobility. And I don't know if you remember from the film, he much would prefer <laughs> to be hit in front of him rather than down down the channels, down the sides. Because you remember okay. that was the fatal thing for the Titanic. It's straight down the sides, yeah. see. And uh, had it just gone straight into the iceberg, would have been fine. Anyway... <laughs> 
I'll, this I'll isn't the answer I was expecting, Lucy, but it's good. I like it. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I it did go slightly tangential. Yeah, um, but no, I think he does struggle with pace, and I think that's kind of an inevitable part of it. But I think he showed, especially there were some long balls that I was just like, he's just going to hoover those up against kind of fairly small. I wouldn't say Rashford's strength really was aerially. Um, but I think that was kind of the the result of us pressing so high and then thinking there are opportunities over the top. Um, but yeah, I thought he had a really good game, um, looked very kind of steady, good communication with Bednarek at times. Mm. Um, and I think if if there are more of those kinds of performances, then I think we kind of start to understand, you know, why we spent so much money on him and, and why he kind of continues to play fairly regardless of other people's form. Um which I think some people have struggled with. I think there's been a lot of demand recently for Yoshida to play. Um, yeah. And I, I think a lot of people were struggling to remain patient with him, I think. So yeah. I think a performance like this does a, does a hell of a lot for him um, and justifies the selection, I think. Yeah. I've slightly rephrased this question while uh, Lucy was talking, Adam, but obviously it wasn't plain sailing for Saints uh, during uh, the game. Of course, uh, <laughs> if Scott McTominay was the uh, iceberg, then Kevin Danso was the Titanic crashing into him for the second yellow card. But, uh, look, I mean, obviously Kevin Danso played really, really well, I thought. Um, obviously it was a bit disappointing. It was a clumsy tackle. He is a young lad. All the uh, sort of cliches that you'll hear. But what did you sort of make of the, the two yellows? And uh, probably, I don't think too many of us would question that it was a red card. No, <laughs> no arguments whatsoever with either of the yellow cards. In fact, the second one was so late that it was it was probably not that far off of being a red itself. But yeah. it was definitely two bookings. Um, yeah, I mean, it is it is a curious state of affairs, isn't it? That, that Kevin Danzo has joined as the much vaunted, much needed centre half that everybody's been crying out for, that this is this is the only way. The, that Saints can improve if you listen to everybody is to buy another centre half. Mm. Yes, he's arrived and we're playing him at left back. Yeah. So that's that problem sorted out. Um, <laughs> well, not really. Um, we sold a perfectly good left back in the summer. Yeah. Um, so yeah. who's not, not playing? Yeah. Yes, and it's all a very slight, weird state of affairs. Um, so Ralph, we assumed when he let Target go, it was you know he he sort of had this faith in Vokins to come in if Bertram was unavailable. Bertram's unavailable, and then obviously Ralph doesn't currently have faith in Vokins to come in. So now Danzo's having to play out there. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean he doesn't look a great left back, does he? Let's be completely honest. Um, he doesn't provide what you would expect of a modern left back in terms of you know ability to attack. I mean, he, he does his best. But, but I mean, let's be fair to him. He's not a left back, is he? So well, no, no, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying, it is an odd, uh, mm. very strange state of affairs that Saints have found themselves in to sign a, a centre half that was apparently such a desperate signing um, that they needed so badly, and then to play him at left back, and and then to keep basically playing the same centre halves that you had before you signed mm. the centre half that you're now playing at left back. I completely agree. I thought that the centre halves were were excellent. I mean, Danzo's got a, a lot to learn. Obviously, um, I asked Ralph about the centre halves and and about Vestergaard. Amusingly, he spoke about obviously young players and needing to learn. And then I thought, I'm not sure Vestergaard's that young, is he? And I looked 27. up, twenty seven. I was yeah, like, yeah. I think he should have learned by now. <laughs> um, but I, I, he was probably referring to Bednarek and, and thinking yeah. of Danzo as well. I think. But yeah, so I mean, it, it turns out that on the basis of yesterday's performance, the centre-halves are that we've got are perfectly serviceable. and We now have a centre-half playing at left-back when mm. we might prefer a left-back. So 
Um, I'm not sure if you had the transfer window again, you do everything exactly the same. But for me, the, the key has been going to a back four, which is obviously what I was saying at the start of the season. I felt they should they should have done from the beginning of the season was to mm. play with a back four. I just never believe or believed that the kind of thinking, well, we can't trust two centre-halves. So if we put in three centre-halves who we can't trust, that that is going to make us defensively stronger. And actually, I think we've seen in the last couple of weeks that since Ralph has taken, in my view, completely the correct decision and a decision that should have been taken from the start of the season to play a four at the back, that actually the centre-halves have improved. They're playing yeah. in a system that they, they like, that they know, that they understand, and they've got that extra responsibility on them. Yes, there are obviously going to be mistakes. Saints don't have you know, Virgil van Dijk there anymore. There are going to be some, some errors along the way, but they look a lot better and actually placing that responsibility on their shoulders of not having the fullback of thinking, oh, there's another centre-half to cover behind me actually has brought the best out of these guys. Mm. And yesterday's performance against Man United was the best I think Vestergaard's played since he's been at Saints. Bednarek looked back to the form that he was in when Harsen Hootel first took over and brought him back into the team. And so that area suddenly looked a lot more secure. Yes, they've got to prove that they can do that on a longer term basis. Of course they do. But actually going to the fore has has totally changed that, that department and, and for the better. I love the fact uh, that we're not calling him young anymore because he's 27. I'd love to be 27 again. but uh... Yeah. Tell me about it. I've only just turned 28. Oh, yeah, well, oh Lucy. Thanks, thanks. It's, it's good for the <laughs> average age of the pod, Lucy, anyway. So, uh, um, look, I mean, Steve, let's be honest. The word that we've consistently used with Saints over the last 12, 18, 24 months is the word bottlers. Um, I think all of us probably fancied at some point that they'd let one in yesterday. But, look, fair play to them. Heart spirit, 20 minutes back to the wall defending. Looked pretty organised. You know, a couple of chances for United. But I think it probably evidences the, the sort of spirit that Ralph has installed within that team, that they, they stood strong. They got a really hard point And... Uh, probably shows how far this team is sort of starting to come yeah and I think those chances that United created after the red card they all seem to be kind of half chances though there was nothing completely clear cut about them yeah um so I think yeah that shows that we actually look vaguely organized at the back mm. um some sort of plan uh, maybe even um, a little bit of communication going on between between some of them. That that'd be um, <laughs> that'd be a turn up turn up <laughs> the books, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I think I think actually, I mean, I've, I've kind of sort of given Cedric pelters for um, some time for his um, defensive ability. I mean, obviously, not an awful lot he could do about the fact that he's five foot five, so he gets out jumped at the far post all the time. Mm. But um, from a defensive perspective, I mean, yeah, Dan James had the running of him, but Dan James will have the running of pretty much every fullback yeah. um, in the league this season, and I think from a sort of defensive positioning perspective, I thought um, I thought Cedric was absolutely spot on. Um, one thing that has concerned me with Jan Valerie is that sort of as the game wears on, um, he seems to get very mentally tired, mm. um, so he switches off and he kind of forgets where he needs to be positionally yeah. and that, and then as a result he's then having to use up energy sprinting back to get into position mm. and then he, he'll then pick up a little like a niggly injury or get, get cramp or some, something like that and a lot, a lot of that comes from the mental fatigue of not 
remembering where he needs to be all the time. Mm, yeah. Look, just uh, sticking with you then, Steve, because I like to ask you these sort of questions. Um, Glenn spoke last week about having a decent referee. Obviously, we got Mike Dean. Um, but look, I mean, there's so many. I don't know what it is with you know. And I know Kevin Friend's taking a lot of flack, unsurprisingly, again this weekend. But just in terms of Mike Dean, then Glenn has said that we need to get a sort of strong referee. We didn't get that. And in terms of just things like so many soft fouls. I mean, United players just losing the ball, falling over. Um, there was a corner in the second half he gave when Rashford clearly kicked it out. You know, the replays showed it again. Time wasting by Ashley Young in the first half, which. Was was even more beautiful when he was moaning in the second half for us time wasting um, but just uh, you know again with referees like Mike Dean when he comes along I think certainly as the lesser team in inverted commas you often expect a performance like that but just I mean I was going to ask for your views whether you felt he did have a, another sort of typical Mike Dean performance or whether you know some fans are being a bit unfair on him uh, overall um, well I mean I don't think people are being unfair on him he was bloody awful <laughs> um, but on the flip side, it wasn't a typical Mike Dean performance because a typical Mike Dean performance would have given them that penalty later yeah, on. Yeah, true, yeah. yeah. Um, and, I mean, they even checked it on VAR and, mm. and said It wasn't a penalty. Different. Yeah, it wasn't I a mean, penalty. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought at the time, I thought, hmm, I've seen those given. Yeah. But, I mean, from the angle where I was, I was kind of behind it. So you can't really tell if there's any contact at all or if he's just gone down like a um, sack of spuds. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's... We've said this before that VAR. I, th- I mean, I'm I'm sort of all in favour of uh, VAR, um, but the problem is it's still not going to address probably what actually ends up being a more frustrating issue. That it's the it's the little things that never go in your favour when you're playing against the bigger sides. Mm. Yeah, all these tiny little niggly little fouls on halfway where it gets given for them but doesn't get given in your favour when the same thing happens. Yeah, and that was just a constant for the whole for the whole 90 minutes really and you kind of wonder if a referee didn't have this i mean this it's clearly not a conscious bias mm. i mean mike, mike dean's a Tranmere fan so he almost uh, he almost certainly hates united <laughs> um but i think we all do yeah but it's it's one of those where there is just this un- unconscious bias that bigger clubs because they theoretically have better players the other side is automatically going to be fouling them more. Mm. And it's just like, well, I don't quite understand how he sees, how any other, any referee sees the same challenge taking place with players of different shirts and coming to different conclusions each time. Yeah. It's just infuriating. Yeah. Just uh, sort of finally then, Lucy, um, you know, I think we're probably all agreed a good end to a, a good week for Saints. You know, four points from four games, but when you think we've played two of the big six during that time. So I think heading into the international break, you know, hopefully, whilst Adam, I totally agree with, you know, Saints haven't really got into the flow of the way they want to play yet. I think we sort of feel that Saints are in an OK position. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's a massive confidence boost having uncharacteristically hung on for a point when we, we would have expected them not to, um, to kind of have that, that behind them and, and know that, they probably have got the opportunity to get a couple of players back maybe um, over the international break and kind of build from this. We know the system isn't quite working correctly. Mm. Um, the centre-backs we've kind of covered are playing better and do look better and, and having two of them instead of three of them probably does a lot for us in terms of minimising errors. Um, but I think there are problems kind of ahead of them or beside them that need to be dealt with. And, and I think the international break provides a good opportunity to to look at those issues. I think particularly down the wings when we haven't had perhaps our first choice fullback options. Yep. The big change in the second half yesterday was that Danso, despite not being a left back and despite not really having a left foot, just charged on um, and kind of gave Wan-Bissaka a lot to 
to think about. And I think those are those kinds of issues that need to be kind of dealt with in terms of how we get this to work mm. so that not only do the centre backs look comfortable, but the rest of the team looks comfortable and we don't look kind of quite so exposed with balls over the top as well. So um, I think, yeah, I think the international break provides a, a good opportunity to kind of reflect on what's gone well because there have been good moments. And I think we'd have all taken probably four points from four, although probably not allocated as they came. But there are lots of lots of things to work on, especially if we're going to carry on with the system. Before we move on to our Ask TSP section, I thought it prudent to have a quick early doors look at the TSP Fantasy Premier League. This is before any games on Sunday the 1st of September have been included and or updated. So um, reverse order, got two in third place, which is Richard Twin with Twinhampton FC on 273. Uh, we've also got Falklands Vets Sam Smith, not that one, on 273. And second place is Yes to Che, Brian Strevens on 275. A little way out in front at the moment is Simon Ford. Fordy's Flyers on 287. Now, I just uh, was going to draw attention as well to 10th uh, place is Chris Rangs. I thought Chris has an excellent team name, which is uh, Tonic Like O Rangade, which is very good, Chris. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Chris is on 254, and last year's defending champion Bob Brown, the Shea Way, is on uh, 237 points down in 40th. Now, Adam, if you go down to 73rd, you will find a leech. Is it me? Or not me? It's your dad. It's a different one. Yeah, dad. It's, it's your dad, Andy. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Andy Leach is in uh, 73rd, so well done. You're uh, absolutely smashing Adam at the moment. So I hope you're well, Andy. And uh, Hedatron are on 225 points. Um, looking at us then, uh, Lucy, you're sort of comfortably uh, in 31st at the moment. Shade Dream Believers, that's uh, very good as well. 241 points, so heading in the right direction. Yeah, not the ideal week to have put all of your eggs in the Sterling basket. No, Didn't have it before. No. Got got kind of twitchy about everyone having him and him doing really well. Mm. And then he did absolutely nothing despite Man City scoring four goals. I know. And I know. Sergio Aguero went wild. Yeah, so, he did. He did. Yeah, so, yeah, bit of a horror week for me. Yeah. Oh well. we'll you know, plenty of plenty of time to come, isn't there? I, I made that mistake last week by taking Aguero out of my team, putting Harry Kane into making captain against Newcastle. Aguero scored twice at Bournemouth. Harry Kane barely got a look in. So thankfully, I put. Aguero back in this week made him captain and uh, as you say he scored so I'm up to 94th with TSP plodders on 221 uh, Adam you're actually in 186th on 205 points so not too Solid. bad for uh, yeah, Solid. For, yeah. Uh, that's good, good. Um, Steve uh, look, I know you're doing well in the prediction league o- obviously Adam that's we should, horror yeah obviously Absolutely we should horror, say Adam well done for getting the Man United prediction right of course I shouldn't uh, yes. overlook that but, it's uh, the most important part of the weekend <clears throat> well exactly um, Steve incredibly you've gone up to 328th um, yeah yeah 175 points talk us through it Steve uh, yeah I just just had a bit of a shocker I'd, I'd like the the expensive players I had in were just doing absolutely sod all yeah which um, expensive players do you have um, I've had Marnie in from the start he's done um, right. yeah Marnie's done okay although quite a couple of weeks mm. um, recently I did have De Bruyne who wasn't really doing an awful lot and I kind of had the same um the same sort of sterling dilemma but my strike force I've gone for a relatively cheap strike force of kind of looking for value right. so I um I obviously jinxed Che Adams by having him in from the start <laughs> and he's and he's largely been um hopeless in terms of point scoring so mm, far mm. um 
And yeah, so I've gone. I think I brought in. I basically played my wild card this week. Made ten transfers. Right. Um. So that's 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 at least got me got me an above average score this week. Yeah. So um. Hopefully moving in the right direction. Yeah. Good. All right. Well. Uh, fingers crossed. And uh, just down in last place is uh, Matt Winchcombe. So Matt is uh, three hundred eighty sixth. Long way to go, Matt. Uh, Winchcombe Wanderers with one hundred and four points. With the international break upon us, and therefore no podcast next week, I thought it would be good to do our first Ask TSP of the season. So um, we got a, a few questions in, so thanks to everyone that uh, did send them through. Very much appreciated. Um, the first question is for all of us, so um, I uh, did give the guys the heads up on this so they could have a bit of a think about it. Adam, let's put you on the spot and start with you. So this one came from Dave Gregory on Twitter, at DaveGregory42. He said, if you could take one ex-player from the Premier League era that isn't Matt Letizier and put them in the current squad, who would it be? Um, I know you're going to say Tadic because you love him. Do San, I do. I, you know I like Tadic. Yeah. Um, I would actually take Michael Svensson. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so. I just uh, I liked Michael. He was a great, great guy and a great player, a great character, and just kind of feel like that sort of player is what we've been lacking. I would, I would also take Klaus. Mm-hmm. I was I was thinking a cent, I was thinking a centre half really was was ideal um, yeah. and and Svensson's you know probably I didn't want to go too obvious and just wind back one or two years I wanted to go back a bit further than that I love how you don't even want to say his name it's yeah <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about Jose Fonte uh, yeah I don't I don't mind saying that and I you know obviously thought about all the great centre halves, like Andreas Jakobsen, um, <laughs> Callum Davenport. Yeah, yeah. All, all the greats that have played for Saints down the years. And then, yeah. Marco so, Almeida. <laughs> Marco Almeida, blimey. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yes. yeah. His, 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 one, his one game kick started Thierry Henry's yes. Arsenal career. I well remember, yeah. Henry spun him, didn't he? And then. Because Henry had been awful yeah. for the first, like, 15 games yeah. and comes down to the Dell, turns him and pings one in the top corner and. And then the rest, the rest is history. history. Yeah, hundred seventy-four <laughs> Premier League goals later. Yeah, Almeida had that wonderful mullet as well, didn't he? Yeah. Mm. Seems to recall. Yeah. Um, so Michael Swenson. Michael Swenson for me. Yeah, fair enough. All right, cool. Um, Steve, what about you? Um, I was kind of caught in two minds. I mean, my favourite player in kind of recent memory is definitely Sadio Mane, mm. but I kind of thought mm, it's a little bit too recent and. We've kind of got players who are now very similar, mm. um, so it wouldn't necessarily be a. I mean, obviously, it'd be an upgrade on what we've got, but it kind of doesn't really change an awful lot. A player who I think would massively improve our team uh, would be Morgan Schneiderlin. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, someone who has the positional discipline, the sort of reading of the game, able to intercept through balls, and just provide such an amazing shield to that to the back four which means that we're not constantly fielding shots and crosses. Yeah. Having that sort of player, I mean, obviously his, his current standing is somewhat lower than, uh, than it was when he was sort of at his peak with us. Mm. But if we could get him back at his, back at his peak and in that, in that side, I think we'd be a pretty decent side. Yeah. I think that's a good answer. Um, Lucy, if there was uh, one player that you could take and put back in the Premier League uh, squad now that wasn't Matt Letizier, who would it be? I think it'd be Sadio Mane. I think he's mm. like the, the ideal Ralph winger. I think 
he's also developed even beyond what he was here. Um, I think he'd be a massive asset and also help kind of score some goals, which have been kind of a bit of a problem. Yeah. So yeah, I think definitely him. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I was much the same as you guys. I, I think you know was sort of thinking, trying to think long and uh, short term. But uh, yeah, Morgan, Fonte, Tadic, Lalana, Sadio all came up. Um, I think going further back. I mean, I used to love watching Ronnie Eklund play when him and Letizia were playing. I was a, I was a big fan. I couldn't work out why, but I used to love Neil Heaney for some reason when I was a youngster watching him at the Dow. But uh, of course, I thought about Chris Marsden as well, and then Marion, of course, was a fantastic talent. But in the end, it was probably quite a, a sort of typical answer, really, in that I was split between Graziano and Ricky because I just thought that at that time they were both pivotal to the way that we played and uh, you know holding the ball up and players running off them and the power and the goals that they scored and um, it's probably a very very typical answer but I think ultimately I'd probably have to go with Ricky um, you know other than Letiz he's probably my other Saints hero and I think just what he brought to that Saints team and the goals that he scored and everything were uh, you know magical so as I say a bog standard answer but Ricky for me. Right, our next question is from Aaron Sanders on Twitter, at Aaron Sanders. So this one's just for you, Adam, and obviously we'll try and keep it as uh, short as possible. Now, since Aaron has sent this in, to be fair, um, Carrillo and Al Yunusi have left. But uh, Aaron did ask, without knowing exactly what's been going on in the background, do you feel Saints have done enough themselves in trying to shift the likes of Lamina, Carrillo, Al Yunusi and Hoyt with the European deadline almost passed? So I guess to sort of maybe just add on to that then, Adam, in terms of trying to sell the players particularly, I mean, obviously Carrillo and Al Yunusi have gone out on loan. Do you think Saints have done enough, as in whether it's been flexible on cost or things like that, to try and get rid of them? Or do you think they just accepted that unless someone will pay a premium, they'll just get uh, loans? I think that is what they've accepted, ultimately. And I know you asked me at the close of the Premier League transfer window to rate Saints' transfer window. And I said, well, it'll be, I think it's hard to do that until we get to the end of the European window, because so much of the importance of this window in, in terms of the long term for Saints depends on them selling players. And obviously that has gone, we're recording this a day before the European window closes and Lamina and Hoyt are still there. So there is still obviously a possibility they could sell them. But, uh, you know, as as it stands right this second, as we talk, the window has been not a disaster, but it's not been far off. If if you are going to ask me to rate it, the the rating has plummeted from what I thought it might have been. Um when you take everything into account, I mean, who have they sold? Classy, again, we talk, you know, just basically giving him away more or less because he had a year left. Austin, okay, he needed to go. Yeah, fair enough. Gallagher, yeah, was surplus to requirements. Again, easy because it's not much money. And they sold Matt Target. And we're already wondering, you know, whether that was the most sensible move to make. Mm. Um, loans, Elianusi, Foster, Carrillo, Reed, at least three of those you would have wanted to sell. And they they haven't. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of the effort Saints have made, um, hard to say exactly. But, I mean, obviously, it's more of a, a – the, the problem they've got, ultimately, is where do you draw the line in, in the sand in terms of what financial hit you're prepared to take uh, on these guys? It's easy to sit back and say, just get rid of them and give them away for nothing. But that's not really a practical solution because you in all these things you've still got to have clubs that are willing to pay them what they get paid now or you've got to settle their contracts and settling their contracts would probably almost bankrupt saints so that's not an option so they're kind of stuck with them and this is this long-term problem and i'm sorry to say that from what's happened in this window i've got you know pretty bad news for saints fans things ain't getting much better and in the next couple of windows for Mm. them in terms of what they're going to be spending 
So don't think that they are because they needed to sell these guys. And, and you know, now, like you look at Carrillo, for example, yes, that can's been kicked down the road for another year. But are Saints still contributing to his wages? I would assume so. And we get another year down the line and he's got a year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, maybe it's easier to get rid of him because you kind of feel like you've got more justification for taking a smaller fee. But you've still got to find somebody prepared to take those wages on. And if not you're running his contract down to you actually get rid of him for nothing. And then what loss have you made on him? So it's a very difficult decision. And there aren't, in a way, I have the sympathy that I, there aren't easy answers to these questions yep. um, because it's, it is more nuanced than people, I think, realise in terms of like the way it works financially for them. But it hasn't gone well at all, um, I would say. And that is... You know, then you have to you have to sit back and say, well, have they pursued the right policy or not? Mm. Um, because because this is this is not good loaning all these guys out again. This is it's better than having them still there, but only just. And I yeah. saw a tweet from somebody saying, oh, you know, this looks like it's becoming a good window. Totally disagree. This is not a good window for Saints. This looks like a poor window because they needed to sell some of these guys. Mm. And I, I appreciate that it's easy to say that and very, very difficult to do because you've bought for huge fees and put on huge contracts, players that are not good enough to justify those those fees and wages. And so who who else is going to be silly enough to pay that? But, yeah, it's it's a very difficult situation Saints are in, and unfortunately it's not one they've been able to extract themselves from. I think, actually, just to jump in there... Yeah, of course, um, please. I kind of get what you're saying, because we, we definitely haven't sold as many as we need to sell. But I kind of think... That isn't the fault of this window. I feel like it just makes the previous windows where we bought these poor players or players that weren't right. I feel like it makes those windows look even worse rather than kind of making it all about this window. I feel like this was just the legacy of a series of terrible decisions Mm. and huge contracts that we were never going to be able to deal with. And I feel like although we say, you know, you needed to sell more, I just don't understand where we could have sold them because the kind of standard of player we're now trying to sell, given their reputation, are just going to be on too higher wages and we're going to want too much of a kind of pride fee for the kind of standard that they're kind of appropriate for. Um, and so I think while I understand that it has been far from ideal, and as you say, like loans aren't much use to us, um, I feel like kind of pinning it on this summer's activity kind of doesn't really work um and i think from what we were able to do i understand that the kind of danso thing the bertrand situation whatever that might be makes the target sale look silly i just think at the fee that was offered or negotiated and in those circumstances earlier in the summer where we didn't think there would be these issues i still think the target deal looks like a really good one um, and I think what we were able to bring in under the circumstances was what we needed and, and kind of looks quite good on paper. Um, I think we've kind of done the best we could do, given what an awful situation we've kind of given ourselves. Mm. But th- does that not mean that we're going to be playing this game for the next two or three summers then, trying to get rid of these guys until eventually we just bite the bullet because they're not worth anything and uh, they move on for free or something like that? Probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, thanks for the answer, Adam. Um 
Steve, next one is from uh, at Tom Waddick on uh, Twitter. So now that we're a few games into the season, how positive do we remain about the Ralph Express? So Adam has spoken a bit about momentum going into the season, Steve. We knew about the fixtures and stuff. Obviously, it's been a bit up and down, but generally, how positive are we feeling about the Ralph Express? Um, certainly more positive after the last uh, two or three games than I was after Burnley, that's for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, so I think I think given that god-awful start, I think we've possibly kind of built up a little bit of something. Mm. Ralph has got enough goodwill in the tank anyway from mid to latter part of last season that I don't think there was ever going to be too much dissent anyway. Yeah. But we're reasonably well-placed. Um, I, I think there are certainly a hell of a lot of worse sides in, in the Premier League than us. Yeah. And it's it's about kind of taking your opportunities. And that's that's one thing that actually yesterday we kind of did because we didn't create that much no. um, in terms of um, forcing David De Gea into making saves. But when we did get the get the proper big chance, we we actually took it for once. Yeah. Um, so if we can kind of get our strikers to be as efficient as that, then we'll be more than fine. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, right, Lucy, this one's for you. So um, Jason Dickey sent through an email. Jason, thanks for sending through the email. So the question uh, was, which current player in the squad do we feel has the uh, highest ceiling or greatest potential? I kind of hesitated on this one quite a while because I think there are, it's, a, it's a young team that has kind of quite a, a collection of, of really good young players. Um, and so kind of working out who's got the highest potential is kind of quite difficult. But um, I think at the kind of present moment I'd be going for Jan Valery just because mm. I think he has a lot of kind of the raw attributes for a kind of modern fullback um, kind of as we understand them now I think he's kind of getting better quite quickly quite rapidly yeah. um, I think as Steve said earlier in the pod there are issues I think with him mentally particularly um, kind of his positioning and things but I think he has a lot of kind of the things you would require from a fullback mm. um, in the modern age where where so much of the attacking in wide areas goes through the fullback. Um, so I think, yeah, I think I go for Jan Valerie. Perfect. All right, lovely. And then the uh, the last set of questions. Several people, Steve, Chris, and Andy Davis, all asked for our thoughts on the Pompey Cup draw. Uh, Andy also went uh, one better and said, could we give our favourite derby game experience as well? So just our general thoughts on the uh, Pompey Cup draw. Adam, starting with you, and then just from your memory, your favourite derby moment, really. Dread. <laughs> like overriding emotion. The majority. Why? Well, the majority of people who are really excited about it, the very vast majority of people who are excited because they know that they won't have to go. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, the majority, the people who have to go maybe have a, in my case at least, have a, a sense of dread. Um, yeah, I would be probably looking forward to it if it was at St Mary's. A trip to Fratton Park for a derby game is is less appealing. I've been there uh, quite a few times for derby matches it's hostile and scary getting in and out of the ground. Um, I've got caught in the back end of that riot that they had one time and things like that. And it's just not, it's just not a pleasant experience. I'm not at all looking forward to it. I wish the jewel had not come out that way. Frankly, Isn't there a journalist bubble? <laughs> no, you'll be surprised. There. No, you're oh, expected God. to be able to report on all of that, yeah. so you're kind of meant to be in the yeah, sort of in the thick of it. Make sure that you checked uh, that you've locked the courser before you leave it. Then. Well, I mean, if yeah, who? It's not. It's a company car, so if it gets smashed up in the line of duty, well, it's not my fault. Um, <laughs> What's your favourite um, derby moment, Adam? To be honest with you, I can't. I 
I think I've blocked them all out. I've lo- I looked at the results after you te- you messaged about it, and I can't actually remember uh, very much. I certainly can't remember Saints winning for a long time because what I do remember is the, t- the time that they won in the FA Cup was the only game that I missed in my 18 years through sickness. Was that the Peter Crouch last-minute penalty? Yes, it was, yeah. yeah. Right, let's move on then. Uh, Lucy, what about you? What's your reaction to the uh, the Cup game and your favourite derby moment? Well, I'm going to be controversial for this pod, clearly. You know, I like a derby. But then again, I don't have to go to Portsmouth. So <laughs> that's probably where it's coming from. Um, yeah. I'm kind of excited, but also slightly nervous because, let's be honest, we're a much better team than them. Mm. And the expectation is that we should win. And should the worst happen and we didn't win it would probably be insufferable so yeah it's Pro- kind of like... only probably <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah okay no, definitely yeah. Yeah. um so yeah that's where my slight concern comes in yeah fair um, enough in terms of derby memories mm. um i think i got quite nostalgic thinking about this i think um 2003 uh we beat them 3-0 at home we did, we did. It's all kind of like, you know, had all those kind of classic players, James Beattie, Marion Pahars, you know, it's kind yeah. of the good old days. Yeah. Uh, put us, I believe that put us fourth at Christmas. It did, yeah, it did, yes. Christmas, yes. Yeah. There was a famous um, report in the Daily Echo about uh, Adam had written, and do you remember Adam, it was something about the fact that turkeys getting roasted at Christmas, and this time around it was Harry Redknapp getting roasted at Christmas or something like that. Yeah, you mentioned that to me some on a time total ago. Recall. We I did said, it on a total recall, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I said, I, I didn't write that, and then I looked it up and I was like, oh, I did write it. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Sorry, Lucy. Yeah, and I just loved, because after that game, like Harry Redknapp um, had a complete meltdown and was like, we'll train on Christmas Day, I don't care like about Christmas. It was it was just brilliant. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm going with that, yeah. It's just the game as a whole. Just the whole game, yeah. Yeah, yeah fair enough. So. All right, cool. I, I normally go last, but I'll tell you what, Steve, I'm going to totally butt in there. So, um, look, I, I'm actually the same. Um, for me, it's not an ideal draw. Um, I think I would much have preferred it to be at... Uh, St Mary's because you do know what you're going to get down at Fratton Park and uh, whilst we are by far and away a better team on paper you know that they're going to be up for the battle and uh, I do worry a little bit about some of our delicate foreign players but hopefully Ralph will have them uh, G'd up for it and uh, also hopefully we'll have uh, Nathan Redmond back by then as well so hopefully our quality will show through but my immediate thought when the draw came out was that that's not ideal. In terms of uh, famous derby moments Andy uh, unsurprisingly all of mine are at St Mary's as well because there's not been much to shout about down there so there was three that uh, sort of stood out before my overriding moment which was uh, Matt Oakley scoring a stunner uh, Dodsey's corner going straight in in the 3-0 game that, uh, oh, that was um, yeah, exactly in the game that uh, Lucy just mentioned of course Peter Kraut scored a last minute penalty I do remember as uh, Steve just mentioned as well which uh, sent everyone home happy but I think it would have to be the same game that Lucy's just spoken about there it would probably have to be Marion's goal uh, when he'd uh, come back from injury and he cut inside and uh, bent it in the far post and I think just that moment for him and the moment for St Mary's and it went uh, very very noisy in the atmosphere was just brilliant so for me that would be my favourite derby moment Steve over to you I mean I didn't see the draw I was coming back from playing five aside and suddenly just had loads of whatsapp messages said ah the draw and <laughs> um and you then go and look at it and see oh hello <laughs> and it was it was one of those I I'm actually looking forward to it yeah because I mean as as you say I mean the, the pressure is obviously on us mm. because we are clearly that much of a better standard than they are at the moment yeah um but the last sort of handful of times that we played them um i mean other than the two the league games were in the championship what seven years ago um they've been on top 
for for a number they were on top for a number of years yeah and obviously when they came down to us in the FA Cup with a team of players that they weren't paying and couldn't uh, couldn't pay and yeah. uh, reneged on paying in the end as well yeah and, like uh, and beat us uh, beat us four one I think it's time for us to kind of put that right mm. and I mean I've not seen us win at Fratton in my lifetime um, me neither the Steve Moran last minute winner in '84. I was Christ, how old was it? Where was what was that? That was end of January, so yeah. I'd been three months old. Actually, I'm going to butt in there. I, I have seen us win down there, and the Alan Knight testimonial. We beat him oh, 5-1. We yeah, 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 yeah. That was it. Didn't, yeah. didn't Dave Besson score for us as I well? I think he did. And Matt Letizia, uh had to wear a pomper shirt, but he had his Saints one underneath. So I'm going to claim that as a Fratton Park win. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll take that. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your favourite moment, Steve? Um, I'm going to say. Um, Lambert's goal down at Fratton yeah. to put us one nil up. Yeah, that was the first time where I'd been at a game at Fratton where we'd been in front. Mm. Um, the previous trips we we'd lost, obviously the one nil where Kevin Phillips had that overhead kick in the 94th minute, I think, that came came back out off the inside of the post. Yeah, and then obviously there was the four one game. Mm. I mean, both neither of those games I got in got in the ground for kickoff. Yeah. Um, such as the ridiculousness of the um, of the travel arrangements, yep. um, and it'll be interesting to see whether whether they do decide to bubble it for a midweek game. I, d- I find it difficult um, to see how to they see how that's possible how yeah. they can possibly yeah, do it. Agreed. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, I think Lambert's goal down at Fratton would probably be yeah. my favourite one. Fair enough, that's brilliant. All right, and then the last bit of uh, Ask TSP. So Andy Davis also wanted me to ask you, Adam, whether you felt that the game down at Pompey was must-win for Saints. <laughs> and obviously there's only one answer and we have finally got you because if you say no then you're having a laugh mate well in the context <laughs> of the season it's it's obviously oh you've you've been very cunning there who did thank that thank you Andy Davis yes god Andy bless him Andy Davis yeah. yeah it's a cup game so surely by default well there's no yeah I mean it's got to be a result in the night Adam so are you saying that Saints can afford to lose that one uh, I think we finally got him. Adam Leach <laughs> is a mitten that uh, no, falls with no, the way no, must no. win you are absolutely no, so they can afford I to can't. lose it can they Technically, yes. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Total Saints Podcast. Total Saints Podcast. Sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk. Finally for this week then, it's a look ahead to uh, Saints' next game, which is after the international break away to Sheffield United. Lucy, as a Sheffield resident, uh, what's the general sort of reaction and mood been like up there since they got back to and uh, kicked off in the Premier League? Well, it's a bit tense, if I'm honest, because <laughs> I live probably a quarter of a mile from Hillsborough. Right. Um, so my end of town not feeling so good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, accidentally got caught up in Derby Day traffic. Well, I say traffic. I mean, I was on the tram right. um, last season and things were quite buoyant for Sheffield United. Not so good for Wednesday. And it, it was pretty, pretty heated. Mm. Kind of got kettled in a tram. Ooh, it yeah. was kind of um, traumatic. But then again, um, yeah, no, I think they're feeling very positive. I think they probably think they're slightly better than they actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're quite unusual because they play this kind of underlapping centre-back thing, right. yeah, yeah, which yeah. I don't quite got my head around, if I'm honest. Um, but it's, it's been very, very effective in the Championship. Um, and obviously they got that draw yesterday against Chelsea. 
so I think, yeah, mood is very, very good that end of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm quite looking forward because I kind of, I have a bit of a Sheffield Wednesday soft spot being so close to Hillsborough. I'm quite looking forward to us potentially beating them. Yeah, good. All right. And Chris Wilde then, Steve, a sort of typical British manager who uh, I've always admired, actually. He's, you know, worked his way up through the leagues and, you know, probably fully justifies a shot at uh, management in the top league. Yeah, he's, um, he's done, done very well at, at most levels, I think. Um, and if I remember rightly, he, did he come through our academy system? Well, sort of white, white, YTS scheme back in the day? Yes, yes, he did, yeah, under, under Laurie. Mm. Yeah, well done. Um, so yeah, we're, we're churning them out even now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, he's, he's done, he's done a terrific job. This summer, they've kind of gone against their own sort of instinct, really, and spent an absolute fortune by their standards. Mm. Um, but in previous years, they've not really, the budget hasn't been, anything sort of astronomical when they them and Norwich both obviously getting the two automatic uh, promotion spots having spent very little really compared yeah. to a lot of their rivals just goes to show it's not about signing the the most expensive players it's about signing the right players mm. and if you've got a system and you've got the players and the the sort of cohesion between them that that can kind of get a system to work and work well for you then um, yeah, and there's no real no real limit to to what you can do um, at that level. I think. Mm. In true pod style, then Adam, I was doing uh, my research this week, so our record up there is not great. You can say that um, only four wins in 25 visits in all competitions since 1934, and United have won 16 of those 25 games. So I think results form aside, you know, previous history, just the way they're playing, I think we're all probably predicting quite a tough battle at the office. Yeah, I think it. I think it will be hard. I mean, I can't remember i've covered a few games up there but it's been a while hasn't it well we all remember the the cup Cup game don't we yeah 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 that's right and that was an absolute shambles that Mm. game they were awful and we all expected yes we all expected that they were gonna comfortably win that and yeah that was a that was a disaster wasn't it florin gardos gets sent off at the end yeah yeah that was he got sent off didn't he yeah yeah oh dear that was a yeah what a classic that was (laughs) um i think i seem to remember in that game correct me if I'm wrong, that there was even, I mean, this was obviously, there was obviously total desperation because I seem to remember even Emmanuel Mayuka made a rare <laughs> yes, appearance yep. at the end of that game. He came on to defend 1-0 down, did he? <laughs> yes. yeah, 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 and successfully did, in fairness. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fairly tough game in the sense that, um, like Lucy kind of just hinted at there, they obviously are on a real high. Um, at the moment, they're playing at home. They are going to be really confident. I think this is a game they can win. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm pretty confident this is a game the Saints can get something from. Um, mm. But it's not going to be a simple one for Saints, I think. But this this is kind of the away day. If you're going to going to pick up a win, it's going to be somewhere like this. I think. I yeah. mean, all right, yeah, you probably would ideally play them a bit later in the season when their bubble has been burst a bit. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless. Yeah, I think this this has got potential for points here for Saints. Good. All right. Well, uh, this week we've trialled our new uh, prediction uh, system where everyone has sent me their uh, predictions offline as uh, sort of suggested to try and stop any moaning or arguing about who's doing predictions. I say everyone. Steve's done it. Lucy's done it. I informed Adam during the week. He's not done it. So uh, there we go. Um, so Lucy, you've gone. Oh, hang on a second. Oh, I was about to say we should make Adam go first. Then oh, he doesn't get okay. The benefit. Then. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Then. So uh, go on then, Adam. As you've not done it. I'm going to stick with what I had this week. I'm going to go for one all again. One all draw. Okay, excellent. All right. Um, Lucy, you've gone for Saints to win 2-1, so talk us through that. Um, 
There's a Sheffield Wednesday think, influence there, obviously. Yeah, I, f- I feel like there probably was, if I'm honest. But um, I feel like I feel like there's. I think we are improving. I know it, mm. it's kind of small improvements, but I feel like we're improving. And I think that Ralph is such a like decent tactician yes. that he will come up with like a, a clever plan to outfox them. And I think if we can get, say, Redmond or Gineppo or someone else to be fit, that would be helpful. Um, and I think, yeah, I just got, I've got, I just, I just feel a sense of optimism, and I, and I can't really place why, but I'm gonna go with it. That's all right. That's uh, that's good. Um, Steve, you gone for Desmond? Yeah, I just think that, I mean, while Sheffield United have, have kind of morphed away from what you would stereotypically expect from them in that they'd be very direct and strong uh, sort of big lump players that they've, that they've had in previous years when they've been in the top flight. Um, I still think that they're going to be quite sort of strong from, um, from set pieces. I think mm. McBurney, McBurney's a good, um, a good center forward. Yeah. Um, I mean, not necessarily going to set the world on light at this level just yet, but um, I think he's got, he's got the attributes that will, cause our defence a bit of a pain mm. um, so yeah I, I don't necessarily see us keeping a clean sheet but at the same time their defence I don't particularly rate and I think that there will be spaces there that um, I mean we've we've got we've got quite a lot of pace going forwards um, now especially if as Lucy said we can get Redmond or Gineppo fit again in time for that game I think yep. I think Gineppo will probably be be fit from what from what I gather Redmond probably a little bit more touch and go yeah um, but yeah, I, th- I think pace in behind their their wing backs, and I mean especially if they are if they are still going to persist with this sort of over or underlapping centre um, centre half thing, then surely that's just going to leave space in behind for somebody. Yeah. Um, and I think we should be smart enough to take advantage of that. I think. Fair enough. All right, cool. So we've got Lucy with uh, Saints to win 2-1, Adam predicting a one-all draw, and Steve going for a two-all draw. Um, obviously, I'm sticking with my uh, successful method that's worked so far, which is uh, predicting Saints to lose 1-0 at Brighton. They won. Predicting them to lose 1-0 against Man United, they got a draw. So obviously, I'm going to go for Sheffield United to win 1-0. Thanks as always for listening to this week's episode. Thanks to Adam, Steve and Lucy as well for their time and also to all of you who got in touch for this episode's Ask TSP. We'll be back again after the international break and the Sheffield United game. Until then, have a good couple of weeks and keep marching in. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.